I hope Dina will come back. Um, yeah, I, I hope so too. Um, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. We're very lucky. I'm here for the Division Three Nationals, and Katarina Stefaniti is joining us, the Olympic gold medalist from 2016. And it's crazy to think there's only um, five gold medals given out for women so far, right? Yep, we have, right. Yeah, and right? so it's yeah. you, Stacy Dragila, uh, Yelena Zimbaeva, and Jen Schur. That's yeah, it. It's a very limited yeah. class, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. exclusive, you yeah. know? Um, so congrats again on, on the Olympic gold. Yeah. And we, we were just talking about a, a lot of different issues. Um, I guess what we were just talking about, you know, in college, you know, you were at Stanford, mm-hmm. and you and Tina... I think Sute. Sute. Yeah. <laughs> Tina Sute were, were rivals. You know, she was at Arkansas with Brian Compton, who, you know, now coaching Sandy Morris. And you guys were back and forth. What do you think ultimately led for you, you know, to keep progressing, get this Olympic gold and jumping 16 feet last year, which is such a huge mark in women's pole vault? And, you know, what... What maybe got you so far ahead where Tina has not maybe kept well, up? Well, Tina, Tina did have to go back to Slovenia. And her first year back, she, she PR'd actually. She jumped 471 and made it to Indoor Worlds. But after okay. that, she hasn't done so good, uh, not consistently at least. But I think for me, I, and I always say that it, luck plays a big role in sports, but I think I've been yeah. pretty lucky. And even in college where Tina would beat me most of the time, I, I got lucky. I had a certain coach my freshman year that I think didn't fit my kind of an idea of training. Okay. And then Toby Stevenson came in my sophomore year yeah, when yeah. I was debating even quitting. And I was definitely wow. trying to look for different kinds of scholarship, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I got lucky that Toby came in. And then even the first, like, season, like, the first fall with Toby, I was not doing great. And... We went into the first meet and I got lucky and got the, I mean, of course, it was not all just luck, but I got the NCAA, at the time they had like a qualifying standard, like you right, jumped right, 425, right. you went to, to, to your nationals. qualified. So it changed the next three years, the first meet with Toby as a coach, I think changed the next three years and I started believing in myself again slowly. So for me, it has been like a progress from when I had a lot of success younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so great towards like between 18 and 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think I got lucky. I made, I think I made some good decisions. Uh, I went to Nick High. So, I mean, I've been coached by two Olympic medalists. You know, yeah, it's a big yeah. Deal. <laughs> I mean, and, and Toby, I love yeah. the one line from Toby. I saw an interview that he did where... He goes, he doesn't feel like there's a right way or a wrong way to pole vault. He goes, there's righter and wronger. Yep, so I, yeah, I could I imagine what the experience was like working with him. Yeah, uh, it's funny. We always made fun of him. He always gave us, like, he would say some quote for, like, like quotes like this, and we would just stare and just try to understand what he's trying to say, you know? No, but he was great. And he was really fun, and I think that helped a lot. Uh, like, he brought the fun back to pole vaulting for me. Okay, yeah. yeah and I mean, I... I feel like that's a, a theme that I've heard a lot from vaulters, uh, you know, that I've talked to over the years is like, you know, you have to on some level, you know, make it enjoyable. And I know even at the banquet for Division yeah. Three, you spoke about like loving the process. And it's not just about loving the PR day. Everybody can love the PR day, exactly. but you have to love the, the tough grinding days of training. Yeah. You know? And I think I'm a prime example of this. I jumped in 2005, I jumped. 4.37. I was a freshman in high school. Okay. Um, it's 14.4-ish in feet. Okay. Um, I didn't PR again until my junior year of college, 2011. Wow. So, like you said, like it was a big deal. And there has definitely been times, like I said, that I've, I've quit. I've actually quit for almost eight months in, in high school. Okay. But... I came back to it because I missed it because I loved it. So I think I think it's a prime example of that that I enjoyed the process even though I was PRless for six years. Yeah, and that and that and that's tough because I know even like I've I've had vaulters who maybe didn't PR for a year or two and it's that's already tough. Yeah. So I can't imagine in, in in your case that's even more extreme. And you do have to love the process. And something that we we were talking about before too though. I think that maybe helped you to understand that slow and steady progress that you've made as an ad- uh, a professional pole vaulter and as an adult. Yeah, for sure. And it definitely makes you appreciate the good days, you know, after you haven't PR for six years. The yeah. PR day is big, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, for sure. I, I, I think it's 
taught me puzzled better because <laughs> I grew up with really good support system around me, really good coaches, like te- technique-wise at least. Yeah, yeah. And I never really cared to understand the event so much. It just did what they told me and it was right. working out, you know. But as you grow up and problems start coming in, you start to need to understand the event better. So Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've had a lot of athletes who... I, I think it happens more with the gifted ones because the, the people who are not gifted, they have to understand exactly. it from day one. Otherwise, they can't even get off the ground. Yeah. But with gifted athletes, a lot of times, like you said, I, I've heard the experience from my athletes where they're like, well, yeah, I just do what you tell me. I, I had an athlete come back uh, one of his summer uh, breaks. He came back, and he was one of my more successful guys in high school. He goes, Bronco, I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't know how to pull vault. <laughs> I go, what are you talking about, man? And he's like, no, but, like, really, like, you would just tell me stuff, I do it. But I don't understand yeah. enough to do it myself, you know? And a- as you get older, it becomes more important to really have yeah. a good understanding of the event, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I always say it's good probably for an athlete. Like, if you can coach someone, yeah. that means you're really, really at a good spot. It, it really is true. And it's funny to see, especially, like, younger athletes. Like, I don't want to say high school because that's too young. But even in college, like, somebody tries to coach somebody else. And they, I think, even themselves realize that I don't even know how to articulate this. Like, I think people right. can see things. But the hard thing is to to tell somebody what to do, how to do it, and really yeah. and have the other person understand what it is that you're saying, you know? Yeah, you can't just say, hey, yeah. uh, run faster. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, how yeah. do you run faster, yeah, you exactly. know? Um, so that, that it's, it's crazy stuff because just having that deeper understanding is so important. And going back to, too, like you were talking about uh, earlier before we started the podcast, like your steady progress as, as a professional because you said – what last year was the biggest uh, PR year of 13 centimeters. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. and that's the biggest year. Otherwise, it's been slow and steady. And yeah. I think too often with younger athletes, when they start out, they have those big bumps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they'll PR by maybe like half a meter. You yeah, know what I yeah. mean? Something crazy. And they're expecting this every year. Like that kid is already planning their trip to the Olympics yeah, you know, off yeah, of that first year. And you have to understand, I think, as a mature athlete, a 5% increase in performance in a year is huge. Yeah, huge. Um, for sure. And I, I will say that when I was younger, I was the same way. You know, like as, as in high school, or really, I started at 10. So okay. a lot younger than high school, I was PRing by like half, you know, half a meter a year. Yeah, yeah. And you do think you, you're like already in the Olympics. And <laughs> yeah. in my head, I was going to break the men's wall record. Right, yeah. <laughs> you're like, Bupka, who cares yeah, about Bupka? Exactly. I'm going to jump 21. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but, but I think most, most kids, as they grow, they realize that, the, the PRs will get smaller and smaller, mm-hmm. but the heights are bigger. So. Right, yeah, it, me- it yeah. means a lot more. Yeah. A 5% increase when your PR is 16 yeah, means a lot more exactly. than a half a meter increase when your PR is maybe yeah. 10 feet. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, it's awesome. Um, so kind of a little bit uh, to – well, just to go back to what we were saying earlier. So I, what else could you say? Like what allowed you to continue to make progress? Cause you kind of went back into your collegiate career and how you, you had that kind of speed bump, I would say. And then Toby came in, you learned to have fun, yeah. but what, what enabled you to have this consistent progress? Like, uh, your, who's your current coach now? And I know you said the other night you train at the Spire Institute I in do. Ohio. Yeah. So I'll just give you like a chronological order of what happened. Yeah. Toby came in, uh, we trained together for, Three year, three and a half, I would say, years, mm-hmm. like into my fifth year, a little bit, uh, and then I moved to Arizona, and I okay. I was coached by Nick Hyson there. Okay. Uh, so, and, and currently, last year, the year before the Olympics, my husband and I moved here to okay. train at Spire, and now he's the one coaching me. Right. He was my teammate back when we were in Arizona. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Uh, How high so did he jump? I'm just wondering. He jumped 505. Okay, so, awesome. yeah, so we are talking about, you know, the family record now. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, man. it's a big deal. <laughs> um, no, but he was great. He was actually coached by Nick Tyson's dad. Okay. Uh, who also coached Nick Tyson at some point in his career. Right. And yeah. <laughs> he, his dad had a very similar technique at least based as my high school coach okay uh so mitch and i spoke the same language right you know, mm-hmm. so i i knew it was going to work before, even before like you know people were freaking out you're moving away the olympic year yeah. you've done good with me yeah, yeah but i knew it was going to work out 
Um, but like I said earlier, like I think Lex plays a big role. Maybe I was too, I could have been too scared to move here, and maybe I would yeah. have done just as good with Nick, or maybe not as good, or maybe better. So you really never know. But for me, I think it has been this learning process of how to train correctly. I think I was always a good pole vaulter. I've all, even now I say I'm not a good athlete. I'm not very athletic. I'm a good pole vaulter. You know I'm, what I mean? I'm sure you're more athletic. Uh, yeah, you're being too humble, but go ahead. No, you, I mean, I'm okay in you know, track and field, but I can't throw a ball to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been a process, even with uh, Chris Mack, who was my freshman coach, okay. uh, trained very different. I would say a lot more like a multi than a pole vaulter, at least oh, from wow. the background I'm coming from, you know. Mm-hmm. Then Toby trained me a lot like I did in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, I would say, even less volume than we did, but also less technique work. Okay. Yeah. And... Nick kind of went back to Chris Mack, but but it was different because at that point in my career where I had graduated college, I'm a lot stronger, I have a lot better base. Like as a freshman in college, I could not go from running. Yeah, exactly. You know, and especially for me, like my workouts being a 60 meter run or, you know, 460s to now being 4300s, I could not handle that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Uh, and I think a lot of people make that mistake, I think. For let's say at the club level or high school level, I think a lot of coaches will look at a professional workout and be like, "All right, guys, let's do some three hundreds." And it's like you can't even get the kids to accelerate through sixty meters yet. Like that's kind of silly, you know. And I will say I don't do three hundreds anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't need three hundreds. Um, no, but then we went back to Nick, and it, there was definitely a little more volume, but more targeted volume, I would right. say. Uh, so you know, like everybody was a little different, and then. Mitch, my husband, he studied sports science. Like he studied this, you know, that's what kind of what he did in school. We're in a cafe, so yeah. I have to back on So, I think I learned something from everybody, and I think that has been very important in my career, technique-wise and training-wise. I've taken uh, what I want to think the good things from everybody. Yeah, and what works and for put you them together. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people always say, and a lot more Europeans than Americans, that there is a big difference between the European and the American system. All these kids come from Europe, and I have so many of them contact me and tell me, oh, how were you able to handle the American system of training? Because it is so much more volume compared to what I would call quality work that we do in yeah. In Greece, at least, I don't want to talk about the whole Europe, but we spend hours just moving our hands from our hips to our ear. Hours doing yeah, that drill, yeah, yeah. you know? Well, we never, I have never in my life run in 300 before I moved to the U.S. So it's, wow, it's yeah. definitely very, very different. Um, but I think I took the best. There's definitely a time in the year where maybe, you know, one 300 might be okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and everybody's different, too. And, and that's important what you say, too. I think the timing of it all. Like, yeah. Right. Like, as long as you have a purpose and a reason to do what you're doing, yeah. we could almost maybe accept anything. But it's timing. Like, you're definitely not going to run a 300 the day before you're competing or something. You know what I mean? See, or, or that once seems you're in to make sense, season. but some people, I don't think, realize that. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and, and you know what? I, I think, again, it goes back to, I think, a lot of coaches, they'll see, like, uh, an example of a workout, and they don't realize where that workout fits into a scheme of a year yeah, exactly. or maybe even to a, a few-year training yeah. block. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to work towards that. I mean, even uh, the last two years uh, at my college, Rimpo College, I started out just pole vault, but now I work with the sprinters and jumpers and I do the weight room. And a lot of times, like, I'll have coaches being like, oh, Bronco, you got to get your 400 guys to do these 600s or whatever. And I'm like, dude, this guy's a freshman. He, like, ran on a high school team where they're barely trained. I can't just throw him into these workouts. Like, I have to build him up, you know? And that's another thing, like, knowing the background of your athlete, too. Yes. That matters a lot, too. I I think I could have been somebody that if I was trained that way from a younger age, I think I could have been fine running 300 in college, but I wasn't. We did sprints. Right, right. You know, and 300 is not a sprint for a pole vault. Right, no, and and I I would argue too, I mean, if you're specifically just a pole vault coach, I think 60 meters is good. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you want to develop is that top end speed. And I actually just recently had a little bit like debate on Facebook with someone. They were uh, saying that, um, everybody talks about their short run PRs yeah. and what they should do is overly long approaches. Like if you do a seven left, maybe you should try nine or 10 left in yeah. practice and it makes the seven easier. 
They and were saying that? That's what they oh. were saying. And I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense because scientifically you're either accelerating or slowing down. And so if you add that 10, it's cosmetic. Now the kid has to like kind of trot in the beginning and then go. It's not really going to make the seven easier. Like I no. feel like people don't understand speed. It's, you know? It is actually very interesting. Lately I've seen a lot of people posting about their short-run PRs. Yeah, yeah. And their short-run PRs are higher than their long-run PRs. So what does so that what say? what does that tell you? <laughs> you know, they, yeah. maybe you're running wrong from your long run and maybe stick with your short run and yeah yeah what i see a lot more and what my husband noticed a lot when he came to greece mm-hmm. that everybody runs right what the correct you know under what i would call the petrov model yes is the correct yeah. run you know and everybody that's the first thing we work on around how to run yeah. properly i i agree i remember even one year being at reno and uh rick attic who coached scott yeah, huffman yeah, and pat manson was yeah. speaking and he goes, listen, when I go to World Juniors, he goes, USA loses all the time. And he goes, and not because we don't have the athletes. He goes, I'm telling you, we have the best athletes, yeah. but none of our kids know how to run. Yeah. And I think that's huge. Like at my club, I know I always, the, the run has to be done yeah. a certain way. Yeah. Like you said, that Petrov model, yeah, yeah, yeah. knee and foot out front, tall, front side yeah, mechanics, yeah. nice and tall, because you can't jump up if you're yeah. not tall. Exactly. You and know? then people don't realize how important jumping up is. This is a jumping event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I always say like, if you uh, translate the German, like stop how sprung, it's yeah. like, that's like jumping with a yeah. stick, yeah. you know, it, they have the word jump in the yeah. name you know no it, it, i think it's a big problem in the u.s because we do have so much talent here but a lot of them start a lot later and i think that yeah. it's good and bad you know like i said i i cannot throw a ball because i've pole vaulted since i was 10 but <laughs> i am the pole vault Olympic champion you know so there's good and bad uh but they run i mean it's m- more than half of the jump yeah, yeah. So it just drives me crazy when people, and then people that do talk about the run talk about speed. And I try to explain to them, oh, speed is good, but speed in a certain position is Ru- good. Yes, yes. So, Misguided. Yeah, it's- yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I wish there was more education for athletes and coaches. Right. Know, well, and, and it's funny you bring up like the Petrov Bukka model, because I thought watching the men's side this summer, it's like, when I saw De Silva go for that winning jump, yeah, first of all, yeah. from the first step, he yeah, came out yeah. nice and tall, popped yeah. out, and I was like, this is it. He's got yeah. a shot. And he hit takeoff. And that's what Petrov does so well is he yeah. gives that that 80%, the run and takeoff part, yeah. is so bulletproof yeah. with his athletes. I know, and it's funny because everybody was like, oh, it's such a surprise that Braz won. And everybody that knows Bobo was like, nope. no. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. Not a surprise, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's oh man it's it's so crazy to watch that stuff unfold and and how about the women's competition i have to ask you so now we're going into the bar that ultimately you and sandy would would both clear and you would win on attempts but i'm watching this unfold and i go oh my god is an 18 year old girl gonna win the olympics i know i was thinking the same thing yeah because the new zealand girls i said no girls don't don't let this happen i say you both jumped 16 this year i know well, yeah, take us through that process going into that winning bar, like, because you, you and Sandy were behind, uh, uh, Eliza, yeah, we were, you know, was in um, the lead. Yeah, because Eliza made everything on the first up until 480, and yeah. I was jumping, for, I was the very first mm-hmm. of all 13 girls that were in the final, I was jumping very first, so it yeah. was a little hard to control anything, um, but Eliza was making everything, and I, w- I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I don't care to win. I just cannot lose to a 19, you know, 19-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm kidding. She's really talented. She's jumped. I mean, I've only jumped at 486 outdoors, and she's jumped 480. So we're not that far right, off. Right, right, right. But I was thinking the same thing. I was like, no. <laughs> um, but then... Uh, both Sandy and I made the next bar, and Eliza had pretty some pretty good attempts. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah. I mean, how crazy! I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw her a couple times like she would run down, stop, oh, go back, and then still make it. I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, know, this is wild. I know. I think it's it's not good for people to to see. But it's, there's only a few people in the world that can do that. Like, yeah. you know, she didn't do that very much in the final. In, she, she did it the whole year. Like, the whole summer we yeah, saw her, yeah. she did it a lot. But in the final, she was very dialed in. And that's somebody who you know that they can compete at championships, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I just, I can't imagine how wildly talented she is. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, a, it's amazing to see, like, how quickly she's done these things. But... I would like to go back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like 
hopefully she she finds a good way and becomes mature and can grow into the the athletes and competitors that like you and Sandy are because you guys have like that that years of experience and really build off of that because who knows what she could jump then you know what I mean yeah I think so but I think like and like what we were talking about earlier I think her issue is the run yeah. Uh, yeah. And you will see every time that she stops, she started her run different. It's very obvious. You yeah. can see from the very first step. Yeah. So, I mean, she's really young. So, I think she will be able to fix it. And I know her coach is very good. But it's, it's dangerous because, you know, you're a little bit in the moment. Maybe you take a jump you shouldn't take with right. a bad run. So, mm-hmm. it, it's dangerous. But Yeah, I, I, I heard an interesting quote. Um, someone told me that um, Fabiana Muir's coach, yeah. I, I don't know his name. I apologize. Uh, Elton, yeah. Yeah, he was at Reno one year, and I thought he made an interesting comment. He said to somebody, he says, is this American pole vault? And uh, somebody was like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know. Like, sometimes, like, they clear the bar. Sometimes they hit the standard. Sometimes they land on the runway. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. He goes, like, in Brazil, we always know what's going to happen. And that's what I really, you know, I talk about. It's like, you have to have a system. Like, you have to know what's going to happen. Like, I know when I tell an athlete to go up a grip or to go up a pole or adjust the run somehow, I know what the outcome is going to be. It's not like we're not guessing. Like, hey, let's just try. Yeah. I think think a lot of... Because Elson does teach the Petrov model as well, right. and I think a lot of people that do uh, kind of like get confused with what happens like in the U.S. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the other day we were at the district championships here, and a guy took a full jump in front of the bar. He finished oh, the full jump yeah, and hit the yeah. bar with his back. Yeah. How do you not know where you are right. in the air? Yeah, that's that's so crazy. And by the way, here is Ohio. Yeah, in yeah, Ohio. Sorry. Just so but yeah, I mean, I, I, I've seen all kinds of wacky stuff. And, and the other thing, too, like I always talk about like efficiency, you know what I mean? And I feel like people don't understand, like you need to be able to push off the top of your grip. Like like for you, for example, when you jumped 16, what, what pole were you on? What grip did you have? Do you know? Um, I jumped, my competition poles are 445, 14.7 poles. Okay. Uh, but I, I think that, I think people high. would be shocked to hear that. I think most people would assume that you're on 15s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and Sandy too. And yeah, Sandy's yeah. also on 14.7s. And she does grip, she, she grips at the very top of them. I grip at the label, which is about 14, 14. feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a good push. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's great. Push, so, yeah. I mean, if you're gripping, let's say, roughly 14 feet, that means yeah. 13 four. So, you're talking about 14 four, 15 four, so two feet, eight inches. Yeah. That's that's yeah. good push. Come on, that's it's, great. Yeah, it's a good push. And, I mean, it's something that I've had since I was younger. Like, I always tell the kids that we coach here that you're not a bubble there until you're jumping higher than your grip, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I've been pretty good about it. I think that's what my coach saw in me the very first day. I went and kind of did like a straight ball drill. And you were uh, able to yeah. move through the yeah. jump fast. Yeah, Yeah. so I think it's important. But I, as I mature again, I have come to appreciate all kinds of pole things like toby said there is writer ways <laughs> and longer uh, yeah and longer <laughs> <laughs> but i mean at the end of the day i guess all that matters is how high you jump yeah. as long as you're safe you know so. yeah yeah well the way i i i like to use analogies a lot and so the way i think about it is like uh i i tend to watch a lot of ufc you know i don't yeah. know how many people watch ufc but it's like you know when ufc first started you know, you could just be a striker, you could just be a, a wrestler or a jiu-jitsu artist. But now it's evolved to the point where you have to be well-rounded. And I kind of feel the same way about pole vault. I think women's pole vault especially is still evolving because yeah. it's still so yeah. new that, you know, you you can get away with it, right? You could be that girl that maybe just grips high. Yep, you yeah. could be that girl that's very technical. But eventually we're going to come to a time and, yeah, and, I, and I think it's where now, you have to be well-rounded. Now, you, know, yeah. you have to have that tall yeah. posture approach yeah. run. You have to jump at takeoff, be able to grip high yeah. and, and have Actually, good technique. Sandy and I were talking about that in the press conference in Doha, that we've come to a point in women's football where you can just be tall or you can just yeah. be fast. You can just be a good gymnast. You have, of course, everybody has their main talent, you know, right. but you have to have a little bit more of everything now because it's going up like girls don't get medals jumping 480 right when growing up 460 will get you a medal yeah, in the Olympics. yeah i know so, um, I, I i i thought the first year that i thought was wild was uh in moscow when yelena won her last world yeah. yelena jumped 16 to win yeah. i think um 
I think Cuban Silva girl, was Silva, second, yeah, yeah eighty three, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And it was like you're watching this, and you're like, oh no, times are changing. Yeah, yeah. Like you gotta go, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, so I, I see it like that. Like we have a lot of different components yeah. that have to come together to make the complete jump, and and it's just fun to see it evolve. And what's crazy to me on the men's side. Although Renault has been so great the last couple of years and yeah. De Silva had the great Olympics, I feel like the men's side is not at the level it should be. Like, I feel like it's not where it was maybe 10, 15 years ago. Like, no. even when yeah. Toby was competing, yeah, I mean, yeah. oh my God, like everybody was jumping six meters, I felt like. You know, it is funny because I think the men's vault went through a very bad period, I think, yeah. as, you know. So I think it's it's on the rise again, you know, yeah. before kind of jumping six, six meters again. We've yeah, had, yeah. like, so many people jump six meters in the last few years. So I think it's on the rise. It's not where it was 15 years ago, I agree, but it's better than maybe where it was five years ago. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's crazy to see those yeah, ebb and flows, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And then, you know, what, what I like and what I'm trying to do with this podcast is that people put information out because I think the more information that's out there, the better. Cause I know even when I started coaching, that's when a uh, beginner to book came out with oh, okay. Alan Longer, yeah, yeah, who wrote yeah, that yeah. book. And I remember everybody had these huge technical yeah. debates and you could see jumping, getting better. It definitely did have an impact. And then I felt like there was like a little bit of regression where it's like, again, people were just like, just get on the biggest pole you can get on. And now I feel like, like you said, maybe yeah. we're back on a, on a uprise. I think there's a little back and forth. I think the worst part is people that are interested and eager to learn, but they learn from their own person or oh, yeah. they learn, they hear the right thing, but they misunderstood it. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. Uh, even like really good coaches with really successful athletes I talk to sometimes and of course there is many ways to pull correctly yeah. I mean it's physics you know right. depending on how you come in you might have to do something different a right. little bit on top but I think there is a little bit of misunderstanding about some things but I, I think I don't know I want to hope that we're on the rise with that because it drives me crazy when all these rules come out about you know I don't want to say the box color because that has been talked about so much but rules like that instead of educating the athlete and the coach we're trying to save them from when they fall you right know? yeah it's like a no, band-aid for a bigger yeah, mistake exactly. yeah. yeah i i agree i thought when the box collar rule came out i'm like this is just a band-aid because now what happens when they start landing on the runway we're we gonna yeah, put sand yeah, the first exactly, 10 feet like yeah. i don't understand what what's the solution yeah. it's like and, and it's not just the box collar all, all kinds of rules like that you know like the weight rule in high school i don't understand what does it mean you can go in a pole that's smaller than your weight well you right might be safer well yeah the thing that i always tell people is like i understand why they did the weight rule yeah, but it's yeah. a band-aid again yeah, yeah. and the thing is i've seen people jump on poles that are 20 pounds below their weight and doesn't break yeah, and i've seen people exactly. jump on poles 20 pounds above their weight and it breaks, and it breaks exactly. because of how they yes, jump exactly. so it's not always just going to solve that issue yeah. um and education is what really is, is well, needed. one of the best things i have heard is we should well the standards at 80 you know what is the back uh i i agree with it though you know 80 is like 31 and 30 a half, yeah. you know you you weld them at the back of the pit and you at least know that 90 percent of the people to make the bar or to take the jump will land on the pit you know it, it is the right. safest thing i've heard so far because everything else doesn't do anything and, and i guess and i want to talk about that but it kind of goes into our next conversation about how to make I guess pole vaulting specifically more spectator friendly, but yeah, I mean the moving of the standards takes time and that, yeah. that always slows down the competition. So that is an idea. Although, um, I don't know if you, you know, Roman Bachanikov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roman told me a story once that when he was training in Russia, he, he has seen vaulters, Russian vaulters who they have this, they used to have the standards at zero. Yeah. But they would land in the middle of the pit yeah. just because how they came off the pole, yeah. they would nick it always yeah. on the way down, yeah. you know? So it's interesting. It's like, there is that idea out there too, where you have safe vaulters who just need the standards in. Right, right. But I, you have to think also those vaulters are gripping at five twenty, and they're right. taking the whole jump a lot further away for yeah, yeah, yeah. physics reasons, you know, right, not right, right, right. unsafety reasons. So yeah, I yeah. think I mean there's a lot to think about with that. But so now speaking of like making track more spectator friendly, because you kind of brought this up the other yeah. night at, at the banquet, you know, wh what do you think is needed to make track more spectator friendly because i think that's the biggest thing i think people don't understand is like we need spectators spectators are yeah, so important for sport um i mean one thing we talked about and i think it's probably one of the biggest is there's so much going on in the track meet yeah just in the olympics we probably had 10 officials just for the pole pole 
10 people in the little pool vault area just to officiate and 13 more vaulters and a couple of cameras you know it's just too many people for 13 right. athletes and right and that's just the pole vault on the other side the high jump has as many you know every every yeah, event has yeah. 10 you, you see how many people are there watching the the box for the long jump there's like four people standing yeah yeah i mean i i, I get it but it's there's just too much going on and nobody knows what it is that it's going on. Yeah, the crowd never knows. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I was telling you I was at IC4A's recently. It's like nobody knew what the bar was at yep, in the pole exactly. There were parents watching shot put. They have no idea if their daughter PR'd yeah, or if she's yeah, getting yeah. in trouble with yeah. the official because yeah. the official's <laughs> talking to her. You know, it's like they, they have no idea. And and that that's a that's a big deal. And I feel like with the officials, I get it, right? Like they have yeah. those officials yeah. at the long jump board. They don't want to make a mistake. But here's my thing. Look at other sports. There's mistakes made every day, like in the NBA Finals. And controversy, it creates conversation. And conversation is always good. It is. And I I mean, we film everything at this point. You know, like in big meets that do matter, you know, we film everything. You can go back and see if it was a foul or not. Right, right. I mean, it will probably delay the meet. So, again, counter... Yeah. You know, but I feel like but, you could do it in a way where they can even have an iPad and just real quick look know, at it and I make know. a decision. I mean, it seems like there's better ways to do things, but it is hard. And like I told you the other day, I think a little bit part of the problem is a lot of the big sports, like the NFL, the people that work for the NFL, or I want to think most of the people that do, are business people. They're not all football players. Look at NAAF. I mean, it's good to hire our own people, you know, it's good to help out our old athletes, but we need business people that will promote the event from a business perspective and not be emotional about it. Right. You said that the other night and I couldn't agree more with you because I think too many times people make decisions based on, um, let's say it's like, well, you know, I used to do that event and it should be run like this because I got pissed off when this happened to me when I can be, that doesn't matter. What you need to think about is what's better for the sport. You know, I mean, for me, one of the big things that I always talk about is like, you know, people who love track, they do love it, but I feel like nobody wants to spend money on it. Like they won't pay money to go watch a meet, but yet they'll spend $150 to go watch an NFL team preseason game, preseason, not even official. And they won't spend 20 bucks to go watch a track meet. And I feel like that, that has to change, you know? Um, I know personally, you know, one thing I I wanted to mention on the podcast, this summer is the first summer we're going to do it. Um, I'm going to host a meet indoors because I also, I hate when weather ruins a track meet. <laughs> We're going to host a, a meet indoors at St. Anthony's High School in Long Island. And I'm, it's going to be called the Northeast Pole Vault Club Championship. Cool. So there's going to be a couple things that I think make it more exciting. One, top six place, but they score points for the club. And then there's going to be a male and female club champion of the year in the region. Oh, cool. I'm hoping that if this meet goes well ne- by next summer, we'll have a couple other locations yeah. and eventually a national yeah. meet. But I feel like that stuff becomes important because I know yeah. I was telling you the other night, I feel like other than Worlds and Olympics, nobody's competing when they go to a meet either. See, it's like everybody's I, just going for a mark, I yes, feel like. Exactly. And that's what my husband says all the time. And I think that's why track and field is not very popular. And the events that are popular are the 100. Yeah. And... But, you know, maybe long distance because you can see, at the you know, a you know, lifetime who is winning and what needs to happen for somebody else to win. Yeah, like yeah. there needs to be more that kind of that kind of battling, you know, like yeah. tennis. There is one person against the other. They don't care how many aces they scored. They right. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah. well, Serena only served the ball yeah. 120 miles an exactly. hour today. Like, yeah. oh, terrible. So I, I think we need more of that. I think we have a little bit of that in some events, like the 100, like I said again, it's the most popular event because it's easy to follow who is winning. And I think we need a little more of that in other events. And Mitch always comes up with the idea of how you can have like a like a bracket system of football, yeah, you know, but, it, but I think that hard. would be cool. Yeah. I, well, and the other thing that too I would add is like, let's say like this summer, like the 100 meters between Usain Bolt and Justin Gatlin, I thought, what a great race. Now, okay, none of them broke the world record or yeah. anything like that, but it was, you could see the psychology behind yeah. what each of them did in that race. Yeah. But I think oftentimes too in track, Everybody wants to be nice. Nobody ever wants to give criticism. <laughs> and that's, you kind of need that. And it's not I like, I think like, let's say if I were to say, look, I think Justin Gatlin, he was so afraid of Usain Bolt's top speed that yeah. he came out too hard yeah, and too yeah, fast yeah. and he lost it. Because yeah. if you look at the time, you know, Usain Bolt with one with 981, you know, certainly Gatlin could have ran faster yeah. if he ran his race. Yeah. But people are afraid to say that because they don't want to make Justin upset. And yeah, I'm not yeah. saying because I don't like Justin. I think Justin Gatlin's yeah. great. You know, but, uh, you know, it's like we have to be able to delve into that and give a little criticism because 
I think not only one will be great for technique wise, everybody's technique would improve, but then other, it would grow the sport because everybody loves to argue. I mean, like, you know, think about a football game after the Super Bowl, everybody's fighting over what they would have done if they were the coach or athlete. It is. It's true. It's true. But I think there's like so many steps that need to be, even what you were saying earlier about like people paying. I don't even want to pay to go watch that, you know? <laughs> you know how boring it is to watch even pole vault, even when I know every single athlete in there, mm-hmm. how boring it is to go and wait, and then you have to wait five minutes when they run. You know, it, it's not fun. And I know the athletes personally, and I'm personally invested in some of you know right, what I mean? Right. So there needs to be change. And before we can charge people, we first need to, for people to come for free. <laughs> to the track meets. Yeah, I guess. I, you know what but, I mean? But I think, like, going back to what you said about the amount of the officials and this yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. that's money better yeah. well spent yes, yes. on doing things that'll make the event more <laughs> I fun. I mean, there should be music blasting. They have to pay for announcers. You need announcers yeah. more than you need officials, you know? Yeah. And they need to get good announcers. Because yes, yes. I feel like, like you said, I mean, I remember one time going to Milrose and <clears throat> I can't forget, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who they had announcing, but it was a former track athlete. And it's like, this guy's never announced anything ever yeah, before. Yeah, I know. And he wasn't doing a great yeah. job and he wasn't charismatic, yeah. you know? And it's like, they need someone that's going to do a good job that can capture the audience yeah. because in other sports, you see it. They have certain announcers that are just so good at what they do, you know? It's actually what I... So we have a meet in Greece on Wednesday. It's actually in my club. It's called Philothé Women's Gala. And we... I think now it's maybe its 11th year. It's been doing pretty good. It's only a female-only meet, but it, it's fun. Um... And this year, finally, now I have a little bit more say in the things that happen, okay. you know? Yeah, yeah, that's nice. And I said... Well-deserved. Like, oh, because they really wanted me to go to nationals. They really, you know, I need to compete right. in my country, too. Right, and right, right. I said, we need to do something. Like, you can't have this boring person there saying, okay, now the bars are 460, you know? And finally, and we're lucky, girls. We have the guy that, um, he's the host of The Voice. Like okay. he, like one of the most yeah, famous. Yeah, yeah. He's the biggest fan of track and field. He awesome. comes to all of the meets in the. He was in Belgrade at Indoor European Championships. He was awesome. in London. I don't remember if he was in Rio, but he comes everywhere. So he, and he's super smart, super knowledgeable. So I said, why don't we get him to do it? Like how hard he would love to do it. He yeah, loves track and field. And today it was announced that he will be the That's host. Awesome. I know. So I'm so That's excited. Yeah. yeah, I'm so excited. I think it will make a big difference and. It, it's hard because he will be probably the one announcing in the stadium so that people watching from home will have to listen to somebody else, you know, so oh, people okay. watching on TV. But, but still, this is at least attractive for the people to come to the track instead. Well, yeah. Well, and I think that that's the important thing first is you have to get people coming to the actual yeah. event before you can focus yeah, on the television, yeah. you know. Um, but that that's a good move. I mean, another yeah. thing that I thought of for my meet, what I wanted to do was... Um, <clears throat> You know, people don't know what the bar's at. Yes, you know, that's yes. always hard. Yeah. So, you know how, like, in fights, they have ring girls that walk around the yeah. ring? You know what? <laughs> so, I was thinking when the bar's getting changed going up, yeah. you have, like, bar girls walk up and down the runway. Yep. So, they know what the bar's at. And then once the k- people are competing, they work the crowd and get people to start a clap and, you know, take yeah. pictures and stuff like that. I feel like that's kind of things that, that would help make it more for, fan-friendly. For sure. You know, we don't really have baseball in Greece. And I went to my first baseball game a year ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And there was all these fun things that you can just walk yeah. around the stadium and do and you don't have that attract meets and right i mean even simple things like mitch and i always bet like right, every right, jump right. we will bet five push-ups you know just like yeah, stupid yeah, yeah. things like this that make it a little more interesting and i think it will be very easy to do it more officially have real yeah. bets i mean i know it sounds stupid but it's like well, horse racing but well, it might be more interesting well yeah i mean they always say like stuff like even college basketball what's huge about it is everybody does that bracket yeah, yeah, and they, exactly, they do the, yeah. the bets with the bracket and that makes it popular i mean how many people even they don't watch basketball <laughs> all year but they fill out a bracket yes. and then they start watching the tournament you know exactly. so anything to make it a little bit more fun a little bit more interesting mm-hmm. i think i think that's huge you know so i feel like there's a lot of things that that could be done hopefully you know i mean that's great that you, you got the announcing yeah, done for, for the championships yeah. that's that's and then great another idea that was thrown around at a meeting we had a european championship with sebastian co actually a few of uh, athletes we said, why don't we put a regular person, like somebody like the, the host I'm talking about, yeah. who loves track and field and is fit enough to have him around the 100 meters. We have him on the ninth lane around the 100 meters so that people can see the difference. Right. 
you know? Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because I feel like people just don't understand yeah. numbers. Yeah. I mean, think about even like training wise, right? Like if I, you know, you tell somebody that you squatted like, you know, I don't know, let's say a guy squatted 300 yeah. pounds. Some people are like, oh, I guess 300 pounds is heavy. But yeah, it's like, yeah, no, for training no guys, idea. like, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like that better be warm yeah, up set, yeah, you know? Yeah. So yeah, people don't understand the numbers enough. I mean, goodness. I could imagine my brother, my brother's very out of shape. Yeah. He, he works for BMW as an engineer. Um, I think if he finishes the 100 meters in under 17, that would be very good. Very good. See, but people don't understand it. Or even the pole vault, I think, especially in the higher level, it looks so smooth. Yeah. And I think, I mean, of course, people wouldn't be able to bend the pole, but it would just be fun to have somebody down there try to try, kind of yeah. even get in the pit, yeah. you know? Because I think a lot of people, like you said, it looks so effortless. You know, if you jump and someone's like, well, yeah, I think if I just go, like, yeah, yeah, the pole's yeah. just going to shoot me up. You it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... That, that would be interesting. And that, that was something I think this summer going into the Olympics, I think Bill Murray had a, a tweet or something like that. Bill Murray said they should yeah. put a regular person in each yeah, Olympic sport yeah, yeah. just so people have a frame of reference. Yeah. So that, that would be huge and maybe they would appreciate more what, what they're doing, you know? I know, I know. But I think the track and field needs it right now. And I think there's people trying to make changes. I don't think they're bad changes. But we're like... In the news for the wrong kinds of things right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I yeah. guess no publicity is bad publicity. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we were, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. It's like, uh, I guess the IAAF <laughs> is proposing getting rid of world records prior to 2005 because yeah. they might be suspect. But it's like, to me, it's like, that's... That's drawing, like I mean, drawing the wrong attention the, to something that yes. nobody's arguing about. You exactly. Know? First of all, second of all, who tells me that the person that the set the second best mark, right? That it's not the world record, but it's the second best mark, was tested. You yeah. know what I mean? It was not a world record at the time. They ran it somewhere, or maybe there was no anti-doping, so they maybe weren't even tested. So it, yeah, it, th there's so there's so yeah. many question marks, yeah. you know. And I don't know. I feel like. You know, there's always going to be question marks. Obviously, yeah. you want to, I think, try to do the best with the testing policies and everything. And obviously, if you hear something like what happened this summer with Russia, okay, like you react to it, you know. Yeah. But I, I think to retroactively just be like, well, we don't know, so we're getting rid of all of this. No, it's that's a yeah. little bit tough, you know. And I mean, I think I can have a strong opinion because it doesn't affect us. But I think it's ridiculous. I think. Every world record would have eventually been broken. Like we were saying earlier, technology gets better. Forget about the yeah. training. Technology well, gets better. The track, the spikes, it and, will get better. And also, what's humanly possible, I don't think anybody knows. Like we, we, we were saying yeah. before, who would have thought the 400-meter record would have been yes, broken this yes, summer? Yeah. Or, you know, even like you think pre-Usain Bolt, I don't think anybody would have thought <laughs> 958 is possible in the 100. No, and that's every, crazy. You know, like, Buka's record. Like, think yeah. about who ever thought that anybody, and, and for all of everybody right now who is like, my height you know right 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 yeah <laughs> so i mean you you never know and i think there's people that come out and don't believe in limits and they will be the ones that will do it yeah yeah i mean look every time a record's set there's yeah. like you said someone who's like well i don't think that's the end of it i can go a little bit more you know i know and i think the other problem would be if it's not affecting our event but if you would Let's say they took away Simbayeva's record. Now the world record holder would technically be Jen from indoors because indoors comes right. for outdoors now. With right. 502 or 503 because I don't really know what has happened with the 503. I think it didn't count or something. They didn't. Uh, yeah. But anyway, if I am... I've jumped 490, 495 and I'm about to put the bar up to a world record. Am I really going to put it to 504 instead of 507? You know, yeah. what, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. When, Mm -hmm. And people will say, oh, yes, it's technically a world record, but somebody else really has jumped five or six. So I think at the end of the day, the athletes themselves won't accept it as a real world yeah, record. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point because regardless, like we don't know, it's yeah. whatever. And the thing is, you still know some person somewhere did this under whatever circumstance yeah, and, whatever and you want to be better than yeah, that regardless, exactly. yeah. you know. Um, so it's it's an interesting point, but it, it, I don't know, it's, it's so funny. And I... I, I think for me, you know, there's nothing better. Like this summer watching the Olympics, you know, when you guys jumped yeah. and then when the guys jumped, I mean, I was literally edge of my seat. Yeah. And that was awesome stuff. 
And I would just like to see competitions like that more often. I mean, I know. once every couple of years is not often enough. We could do that a couple times a year. Um, and I think people, like you said, they just have to come together and maybe business people have to get involved to think of ways to, to make it happen more often and make, make it more, more lucrative, you know? I know. it's Here we go. Um, sorry about that. We just had technical difficulties. Um, we were just discussing, you know, just all the different types of championships and uh, Katarina brought up like Pan Am games, but that kind of has like fallen apart. And I was speaking about the USATF like regional system. It's great, but only like five guys show up to the pole vault yeah. usually. And then if you win, nothing happens. There's no regional qualifying semifinals. Whereas CrossFit, which I was just explaining to Katarina, it's like if 10 years ago I told you, Hey, listen, I have a great idea for a sport. We're going to work out. We're going to do exercise, push-ups, yeah. pull-ups, burpees, <laughs> climb rope, do some Olympic lifts. And then not only are these people going to come here to compete for this, um, they also, if they win <laughs> nationals, they get $250,000 and people are going to pay $50 to watch them compete. It's wild, but that, that happened because they, they're available. You know, those meets are available. Those competitions are available. Yeah. You know, there's a following. Sadly, that goes back to money, of course. I'm sure it has to do with, you know, that money doesn't just fall out of the sky. They're, yeah, they're yeah. sponsors and, it's another problem with track right now. We've kind of put ourselves in a hole, and I'm not going to lie that I was surprised that Russia was not allowed to compete in the Summer Olympics. Even I, mean, I, the, I was kind of surprised, too. Right? Even, like, the day before the meet, I was like, no, they will be there tomorrow, you know? Like, the day before our prelims, yeah. I really believe that they will compete, but I, I don't... I like the fight against doping. I think it's great. don't know if it's the best way of doing just... Bending a whole country, just one country and the whole country, yeah. you know, I don't know. If it's, but then he put us in the news again for the wrong reasons. And right. it was this great opportunity for all these sponsors to pull out, find right. holes in their contracts about doping and pull out. IWF, there's so many Diamond Leagues, the Diamond Leagues that are the money-making needs for track athletes. Yeah. Some of them don't have any sponsors anymore. The only money comes from IWF. Well, you know, the, the analogy I would bring up and uh, another example I'll use is I remember when they, I guess, apparently tested Tyson Gay in, I think, March, May, something like that. Yeah. And he tested positive, but they didn't say it until two weeks before nationals. Yeah. And there was so much hype. I was excited to see the USA yeah. national meet where Justin Gatlin and Tyson Gay were going to run. Yeah. I'm like, this is exciting. Yeah. Why? I mean, not for nothing. Why not announce it after he runs? Let them run. You you were going to get huge ratings on TV. Yeah. Watch people, you know, let people watch them run and then announce that. Because UFC, for example, they did a kind of similar thing. Yeah. Uh, this summer, Brock Lesnar came back to the UFC. He's this, this big UFC fighter and he okay. used to be wrestle WWE wrestling, whatever. Okay. <laughs> so he's a big name. And they had a couple fighters drop out of injury for this pay-per-view event. Yeah. So they were going to lose subscribers. So they announced Brock, Brock Lesnar is coming back. Well, he fights, huge ratings. It was a great fight. I loved it, enjoyed it. Next day, tested positive, yeah. so he can't fight anymore. Yeah. But at least they didn't, like you said, they didn't lose the money on that night of pay-per-views. They didn't lose sponsorship. Yeah. And then they dealt with it afterwards, you know? It's like there's ways to handle things yeah. better where it doesn't hurt or affect the sport, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I am like, I feel like I've lost to, I've lost medals due to other people doping before, so it's like a very sensitive topic yeah, for me. Yeah, you know? of course, of course. But it, it's hard to, to, to really say, because what if that happens and Tyson Gay wins, he celebrates, he gets his medal, and then the next day they announce, you know, then the next day they announce, oh, just kidding, the person that got silver. It, no, so it, it, yeah, it's it a hard tough. balance. I get it. It's well, I mean, balance. what's even crazier, I mean, in track, what I, and I get what you're saying, yeah. And, and that is, you know, a little bit tough, but still it would be the next day. What I think is even tougher is like sometimes when they announce like someone in 2004, know, they retest crazy. the blood and it's like the parades happened, the medal I ceremony know. happened. It's like so long ago, you know? You know, I always thought it's ridiculous. And I would think like at that point, especially like with retired athletes, like who yeah. would care? They're not going to get any money. Like, yes, they'll get a medal in the mail or maybe in a little and, ceremony. And if I was the athlete that failed, I would hide my medal. I, I would know. dig a hole. In the, I don't know where it went. I lost I know, it. Sorry. I it's funny that I don't really know if they do return them or if they, they just, just make, make another new ones. one. Yeah. yeah. But then 
Derek Miles mm-hmm. got his medal, and he's right. somebody who's got four so many times, and yeah, you don't oh really know how many other times he might have got third. You know, like you right, really right. don't know. So. Even though somebody who says this is ridiculous, like, why do we even come back to this? It won't change anything financially, it won't change any, like, the experience, you know, all of that. But then, I don't know, when it was somebody who you know personally and... You no, and, and, and I get that, and I guess my argument would be that, look, what even, you know, and I don't know, I don't know Derek personally, but I would imagine that even for him, look... Just the experience of going to the Olympics, what happened. And sure, maybe it was heartbreaking in the moment, but that's all part of our journey. Like, you know, and you got Olympic gold and I was joking, I'm going to hide the medal in the the backyard. (laughs) But like, even with you, like, sure, I'm sure you're proud of your gold medal and maybe every once in a while you dust it off and you look at it and, you know, but really it's the journey. It's really, you know, the experience, like thinking back to that moment, because I could see even your face when I said, you know, when you're going to that bar that was like make or break, whether you're going to get gold. You know, the look on your face, you're revisiting that moment, yeah. like the feelings that you had. That's what we're really all after. You, it it you know? is. It's true. And like I always say, I don't bubble for money. Like I would still do it even if we weren't making money. But yeah. I can see somebody like Derek who has gone forth. I can think at least of three instances. I don't yeah. know if there's more that would like to have some physical yeah. object of memory, you know? No, sure. sure. No, I'm, 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 I'm with yeah. you. It's a, it's a, I mean, even now, it's only, it hasn't even been a year since Rio, and it's been a great experience. I've definitely gained a lot from it in all kinds of ways, but... Yeah. I don't. I don't remember any of it. You know, I remember more watching the videos and the celebrations after than I remember the actual experience. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fun, but it was what it was. And suddenly, now, you know, even in March, we had Inter European Championships. It didn't matter. I was the Olympic champion. I had right. to win again. So it's all over again. Well, and, and you know, I also always think about. You know, there's like moments in my life that were very enjoyable. Let's say like when I first started my club or, you know, maybe even this year, like the first time we drove down to Knoxville, Tennessee for the first podcast, we interviewed Roman and Jim D. Miller, um, who was Tim Mack's coach in 2004. And, you know, that's all great. And it's, you know, but to me, it's like, I remember that, I appreciate it. And now it's like, I have to move on. I want to keep having enjoyable moments in my life and keep working towards something, you know, and that changes over time, you know, what your goals and, and, you know, desires are, I guess, you know? Yeah, and I think it's different for everybody. I think some people are a lot more money-oriented. I think some people are more experience-oriented, you know? some I yeah. would say I'm more metal-oriented. I, <laughs> I don't care about the records. I think records break, like we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think but the nobody metal, can yeah, take away yes, a championship, exactly, Yeah. You know? So I think everybody's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so crazy. Um... Well, we, we've done almost an hour, and I, I know you're getting ready to go to Europe on yeah, Saturday, so I don't want to take up more of your time. <laughs> um, but I just want to thank you so much for yeah. doing the podcast. It was great, and you know, I'm sure everybody's going to look forward to listening to this one. And next week, we're going to have a physical therapist on, and we're going to go over some maybe common injuries or how to deal with your injuries uh, as you're pole vaulting. Uh, see you next time. Thanks again, cool. Katarina. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>